our new shot and a beer program. Any New Jerseyan who gets their first vaccine dose in the month of May will receive a free beer. Give it to them after their second shot, Governor. That's when they're really gonna need it. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Mine was terrible. I got the feeling that something right. It wasn't that bad. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Oh, yeah. It really and was. I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns <laughs> to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM in L.A., 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso and Eugene's KEPW, Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. I'm already winded, Des. What do you mean it wasn't that bad? Uh, where was I? Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Pale and Bill, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio... And Detour Talk, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Oh, sure, I'm swell now, but that wasn't the case after the weekend, as I am now emerging from a seemingly, oh, seemingly nonstop chills and fever dreams following my second shot of the Moderna vaccine on Friday. I am finally emerging back into the world on today's broadcast with thanks to Nicole Sandler for covering for us on Friday's show. Uh, As noted, I'm still a bit weak-kneed today, so please forgive me if I'm uh, even more daft than usual. Uh, And I should note that Desi Doyen, hi Des. Hey. Uh, Desi got her second Moderna shot at the exact same time and was, well, by and large, just fine for the bulk of the weekend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Which is why I hate you. <laughs> well, OK. I have to say I was tired. I was achy. It was like a bit of a fever, kind of like uh, feeling like you're about to come down with the flu. But yeah. I slept it off and it went away. And uh, so overall, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. So, and I have to say it definitely beats getting COVID or passing it on to my mom or anybody else that I love. Well, you know, I want to talk about all of this a little bit later on the show because I realize that, you know, some people have heard stories of folks. Folks getting hit hard by the second shot of either the Moderna or the Pfizer vaccines. We both took Moderna uh, and have maybe been scared off from taking them because of that. And yes, I was one of those who got hit pretty hard. It was, in fact, horrible. And I know some in the media would prefer to play that down. 
but I actually want to talk about it. And I, because I found reason, uh, it, it gave me anyway, a reason to actually want to take the vaccine as opposed to avoiding it. I'll get to a bit, get to that in a bit uh, uh, later today. And if time allows, I'd also love to hear from some of you about your second shots and how it went for you. If your experience was more like mine uh, and what felt like nonstop chills and fever or more like Des, which was, oh, just kind of a little tired, maybe a little achy sometimes. <laughs> Sorry. Because that's, you know, that's how I felt after the first shot. But after this one, oh boy. All right. Anyway, so our phone number will be 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. Uh, if you want to call in to uh, talk about how your second shot went or why you took the first shot but don't want to take the second shot or even why you don't want to take any shot at all. Uh, anyway, so if you want to write down that number, uh, you'll have it for later, or you can even get in line early. It's up to you. Again, as time allows on this end, because i got a lot of other stuff I need to get through today as well, uh, including some, uh, well, a bit of a scoop regarding what's going on in Arizona today in this so-called audit, so-called recount. I don't know what these folks are calling it. Uh, some information you will not hear, most likely, anywhere else. Uh, but I got a bunch of stuff to get through along these lines after a busy bunch of days since the last time I was cogent enough to be with you on the broadcast. Um, we had a congressional we'll start here, a congressional special election over the weekend down in the great state of Texas where things did not go well for Democrats hoping to build on the positive marks that Joe Biden has, <clears throat> excuse me, largely received after his first 100 days in office. As The New York Times reports, Democrats hoping for some encouraging signs in Texas did not find any on Saturday in a special election to fill a vacant U.S. House seat in the state's sixth congressional district. Instead, they found themselves locked out of a runoff altogether that will now see two Republicans battle for the seat in northern Texas. It's actually the district is, is south of Dallas. Desi, you're from Texas. Does that count as northern Texas? Yeah. Really? Dallas? Yeah. I thought it would have to be panhandled to be no, northern No, no, that's way out west. No, no, oh, no. Anything that's uh, that's okay. uh, borders, that's that's definitely north Texas. Okay, all right. Well, the uh, two Republicans here, Susan Wright, the front runner for the seat, who was endorsed by Donald Trump at the very last minute because, you know, he likes to wait to see who he thinks is going to win. And then he says, I endorse them. And then he says, she won because of me. Anyway, uh, so Susan Wright, uh, endorsed by Trump, and the GOP state representative Jake Elizy, um, or Elzy, I guess is his name, uh, they emerged as the top two vote-getters in what turned out to be a 23-candidate, all parties running all at the same time, special election to replace Susan Wright's husband, Congressman Ron White. Ron Wright is his name. Uh, he died earlier this year from COVID, becoming the first congressman to do so. Another Republican congressman-elect, Luke Letlow of Louisiana, he died from COVID last December, but it was before he could uh, be sworn in. 
So he was not seated as a congressman when he died. His widow, in that case, his widow, whose name is Julie, she won the special election uh, to fill that seat down in Louisiana earlier this year. And now Congressman Wright's widow will face off in a runoff with a fellow Republican. Jaina Lynn Sanchez, the Democrat who made a surprisingly strong show for the seat back in 2018 in a heavily Republican district, was considered by many as uh, likely to, uh, you know, get at least one of the two slots uh, that were available for the runoff election. But she came in a narrow third place, reportedly leaving the two Republicans to fight for that seat in the U.S. House that their party has controlled now for nearly four decades. Democrats who needed a strong turnout to be competitive did not get one, uh, though with 10 Democrats in the race, along with 11 Republicans and one Libertarian and one Independent, it was actually hard for any one candidate to to get support, much less the 50 percent plus one that would have been needed to avoid a runoff election altogether. So no date has currently been set for the runoff. It should normally come up in a few weeks. Democrats were hoping for signs of weakness in the Republican brand because of the state's disastrous and deadly recent response to the brutal winter storm in February. Or any signs of weariness with the uh, Donald Trump clan. They did not see any of that, however. The Republicans turned out and the Democrats didn't, said Cal Gilson, a political science professor at Southern Methodist University in Dallas. That uh, is the critical takeaway, said Gillison. Uh, the party has to think very system- systematically about what's wrong and what they need to change in order to be successful at least in Texas. Since 1983, Republicans have held the seat in uh, Texas's 6th Congressional District, which includes mostly rural areas in three northern Texas counties and a sliver of the nation's fourth largest metropolitan region around Dallas-Fort Worth and Arlington. According to the Texas Tribune, Texas's 6th District has been Republican, has been a Republican stronghold, but has recently trended more towards Democrats in statewide election results. Trump narrowly won the district during the November 2020 general election by just three percentage points, even as the late Congressman Wright won his election re-election at the very same time by nine points last year. So the congressman did much better than Trump did here. And Democrats were hoping to be able to capitalize on that, but they couldn't. His widow, Susan, who also happens to be a veteran GOP activist and serves on the state Republican Executive Committee. She led the weekend special with just over 19 percent of the vote. Elsie, the uh, a leading Republican fundraiser, reportedly received 13.8 percent of the vote to win the second slot in the runoff, while the Democrat Sanchez conceded the race on Sunday after receiving about 13.4 percent of the vote. That sounds really, really close. I agree. And uh, so Sanchez came in third, but apparently did not seek a recount, even though we're talking about less than half of one percentage point there. Because, you know, Democrats... The uh, district includes, uh, as I noted, part of Dallas-Fort Worth, as well as uh, Ellis and Navarro counties, all of which force voters 
at the polling place to cast their votes on 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems. So the results, as reported, either reflect the intent of the voters or they don't. There's really no actual way to tell one way or another because that's how they roll in much of Texas. That's what they think of voters there. And, of course, because Republicans won both slots in the runoff, you're unlikely to hear any Republicans making false claims about voter fraud. Um, As uh, the advancement of two Republicans in the congressional district's upcoming runoff eliminates the chances for House Democrats to expand their very narrow majority in the U.S. House for now. I wonder why they're not calling for any recounts or any voter fraud claims or anything since they're two Republicans are guaranteed now to win that elect that that seat. You're so you're so bitter. You're so cynical, Desi. It's (laughs) it's so ugly to see, really. It's just a shame. What what happened to you? Uh, Here's what happened to you Uh, in Arizona. And and really, in any state that Joe Biden won last November, that Republicans had won four years earlier, uh, well, that only happened because, as we all know, of absolutely massive voter fraud that nobody is able to come up with any evidence for. But Donald Trump and Fox News keep telling you that it had to be massive voter fraud, that it was computers that were flipped And also millions of ballots stuffed into the boxes, raising the question as to why they had to risk, you know, getting caught by stuffing in all of those ballots when all they had to do was flip the votes on the computers. But, you know, don't look too closely. Anyway, in Arizona, they're actually doing something about this outrage, uh, as we discussed in great detail on uh, on the broadcast last week uh, with a couple of folks that were on the inside of that uh, and I still, you know, it's hard to talk about it on radio because I can't put the quotes around the word audit. You can't see the air quotes that I'm putting there. But, yeah, the the quote audit, they were on the inside. Uh, we had a, a long conversation about it. Well, now we've got new details today um, from the actual documents that the right wing group overseeing this unprecedented audit of millions of actual ballots, the actual ballots in Arizona, uh, and that they had argued that these documents in court should be kept secret from the public. These are the process documents that this group, who has been hired with taxpayer money to oversee the election, their process documents about what they're actually doing in this hand count, quote, audit, whatever we want to call it, uh, a judge has forced them to make those documents public. They argued that they should be able to keep them a trade secret, um, even though, again, this is happening with taxpayer dollars using real ballots from 2020 uh, as ordered by the GOP-dominated state Senate in Arizona But now what we have learned from those documents uh, is kind of amazing. And there's some information here that I I suspect uh, you have not heard anywhere else. So we will talk about that after a quick break here. And then some lessons from my horrible two days following my second COVID vaccine shot on Friday and how it has convinced me more than ever that everyone needs to get one of those shots 
as soon as possible. Uh, plus, if your time, uh, if time, your calls on your second shots at 818-985-5735 or why you don't want to get one. Yes, it's another busy day on the broadcast. What else is new? I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. I love you, Arizona. <laughs> Your mountains, deserts, and streams. Yes, I love you, Arizona, as well. But I do hate that song. On the other hand, I also love my mother, and she loves that song. So, with Mother's Day coming up, well, you know, hey, happy early uh, Mother's Day, Mom, and welcome back to the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. All right, last week in a bit of a uh, Bradcast exclusive, if you will, uh, before a court finally ordered... Um, ordered these folks to allow at least some media into the Arizona Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Phoenix to try and observe the right-wing conspiracy theorist group from a, it's a company named Cyber Ninjas who have been running this hand count audit of all 2.1 million ballots cast in last November's 2020 election in Maricopa County, Arizona. Uh, a state which Joe Biden reportedly won by a bit more than 10,000 votes before any media were allowed in to see really what the hell was going on in there. We had two uh, post-election audit experts on this program to tell us what was going on because both had been inside the Coliseum and were able to report at least some of what was going on in there. It was, to say the least, a very lively program, which you can download, if you wish, uh, via bradblog.com, if you didn't catch it. But uh, a central point that we all agreed on uh, on that show is that the folks running this thing with taxpayer dollars, the Florida firm calling itself Cyber Ninjas, who have zero experience in elections or voting systems, we're tallying actual ballots in secret with taxpayer money, but not allowing any public, real public oversight of the process. Uh, you know, whether that meant observers inside the arena, uh, even representatives of the Maricopa County Board of Elections, which is a five person body with four Republicans, all of whom oppose this private count. Um, or, or uh, that was ordered by the state Senate Republicans, uh, or even anybody from the Secretary of State's office, they were not allowed, even though the Secretary of State is theoretically responsible under federal law for keeping those ballots secure for 22 months after the election. Meanwhile, anything can happen with them because they've essentially turned them over to this company from Florida who thinks the election was stolen with fraud, has no evidence to prove it, but is certain of it. Um, and 
most disturbingly, they are posting no daily progress reports for any of this online so that members of the public could at least follow along with the progress to know if concerns were being unearthed, if numbers were matching up as expected, etc. That lack of transparency in and of itself will largely serve to make whatever numbers are announced at the end of this tally, if they even finish it in time, impossible to know whether they're accurate numbers or whether they're simply made up out of whole cloth. They can say anything they want. The head of Cyber Ninjas, after all, and a guy by the name of Doug Logan, has claimed that the election was stolen from Trump. He has forwarded one wild conspiracy theory with no evidence at all uh, about the election, one theory after another, before he eventually deleted his Twitter account once he was hired by the Arizona GOP Senate to run this thing, again, at least partially, with taxpayer-funded money, about $150,000. The group has argued in court that the entire process, including examining ballots under UV lights for some reason, looking for something or other, nobody really knows, that the entire thing must remain a trade secret. But last week, a state judge ordered that group to, in fact, turn over a copy of their procedures documents, such as they actually have any. And on Friday, uh, this material finally became public. They finally did. As the Arizona Republic reported late last week, the public has received the most detailed explanation of the route that every Maricopa County ballot will take through an unprecedented recount ordered by the state Senate. The private company overseeing the recount uh, released documents outlining policies and procedures for the audit as ordered by a judge. The one document remains under seal. The 191 pages details a process that departs significantly from Arizona's election procedures. But the documents leave much unclear. For example, what exactly are staffers looking for when examining ballots with UV lights? Uh, even uh, the guy who we had on the show last week, John Brakey, who's been in there since the beginning, even he is not clear about it. He thinks they might be looking for some sort of uh, fiber in the papers that might suggest that it's not real ballot paper, that it was yeah, created in China. Something like that. There's also some bizarre conspiracy theory that there are watermarks or there should be watermarks or Trump had watermarks or some kind of really inane and unusual idea that this blue UV light would show. Uh, other questions unanswered here. What are the Senate, uh, the Senate's contractors doing with the election equipment that they've obtained from the county government? Uh, Tammy Patrick, a senior advisor of elections at the Nonprofit Democracy Fund, who previously worked for Maricopa County Elections Department, she reviewed the uh, recount procedures and says it doesn't make any sense. She says, I've seen a lot of audits. While everyone close to the process has refused to say who is funding the undertaking beyond the $150,000 that the Senate agreed to pay, the state Senate agreed to pay the Florida-based cyber ninjas, uh, a new private organization has sprouted up seeking $2.8 million to pay for the process. 
<clears throat> but it still remains unclear whether it's even possible to recount 2.1 million ballots before May 14, when the Senate and its contractors must clear out of the space that they have rented for the purpose at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Now, one of the experts on our show uh, who was here with us last week, Ray Lutz of Citizens Oversight Projects, said the group's original process as he was watching it and counting it inside the stadium and so forth, said originally it would have taken about 15 months to tally all 2.1 million ballots at the rate that they were going. But the group has since radically changed the process each and every day to the point where uh, Ray Lutz says it's now possible if they largely work pretty much around the clock between now and May 14th, but even then it still may be tight. The policies and procedures filed in Maricopa County Superior Court were submitted as part of a lawsuit filed to stop the recount, arguing that it was in violation of election laws and lacked protections to secure the ballots. Judges, however, have not stopped the process, but have ordered the cyber ninjas to submit these documents about how they are handling ballots and voter information and so forth. The documents detail the process for uh, scanning each ballot to create an image of it and for inspecting the ink and the paper on each one of them. In this way, as we discussed on the show last week, the group seems to want to show that fake ballots were somehow included in the tally, though no evidence of such fakery has apparently been discovered, or at least if it has been, they have uh, not announced any of it as of now. The procedures called for staff to check for folds in the paper, as John Brakey of Audit USA, uh, who told us last week, he's still at the count in Phoenix. Uh, He also joined us on the show and said that if the auditors find ballots with folds in them, um, or I should say without folds in them, they will try to argue, well, these couldn't be real ballots. They couldn't be real mail-in ballots because those would have had to been folded to fit into the envelopes. And apparently the claim is that when you fold the paper, it breaks the fibers. If you look at them under a microscope, uh, that even if they're once they're flattened out and held in, you know, stacks of hundreds and thousands of ballots and heavy boxes, you'd still be able to tell whether they had been folded or not. It remains unclear uh, what they were supposed to find with the uh, by placing the ballots against these UV lights, however, that's not specified in these documents. Under the process for tallying ballots, each ballot is placed on a turntable and then rotated for viewing by three different people, each of whom counts what they see on the ballot. Each counter then tallies the vote on a separate sheet of paper. The tallies are compared. After uh, each batch of 100 ballots at each table, according to the uh, process documents from Cyber Ninja, ninjas, if uh, two of uh, three tallies at each table match, well, the group moves on. If two of three tallies match, but the third one is off by three votes in any one race because they're checking both the presidential race and the U.S. Senate race, because Democrats won both of those for the first time in decades in the state, so it couldn't possibly be legitimate. Um, if that, if they discover that the the, the numbers are off by uh, uh, three or more ballots, well, then they must recount, start all over with that batch. So, 
If my math is correct here, and I checked it with Ray Lutz earlier today, he says, yes, I am correct. That means that uh, two votes could get added for Donald Trump in each batch of 100 ballots, and that would not lead to uh, any retally of those ballots, because as long as the tallies aren't off by three votes, uh, they're allowed to, they just wave them on through, even if one counter at the table uh, tallies it totally differently. So you might think, well, that's only, you know, two ballots per batch. That's not going to add up to much. Well, in fact, that means there are 21,000 batches of 100 ballots that are being counted in this exercise. And if you add two votes for Donald Trump in each ballot, you can increase Donald Trump's total in the county by 42,000 votes without any alarms ever going off at this so-called audit. But, of course, if you did that, then, you know, you'd have to explain, well, why are there 42,000 extra votes for Donald Trump? And, of course, these guys could explain that, that, you know, oh, it's because they didn't count them, that, in fact, they didn't count all of the votes, whatever. But if you don't want to raise that alarm, much easier. You just increased, instead of giving Donald Trump 42,000 votes, you give him 21,000 votes and you reduce Joe Biden's tallies by 21,000 votes. That way you end up with the same exact number of ballots, but obviously very different results. And again, this is based on the Cyber Ninja's own documents. This is how they set it up to work. Now, Biden only won the state of Arizona, uh, according to the certified results, by just over 10,000 votes. Uh, now, he, he did win Maricopa by about 45,000 votes, which is just over the 42,000 votes that they could magically change uh, via this audit process by increasing Trump's totals by 21,000 and reducing Biden's by 21,000. And of course, since Biden won the state by just over 10,000 votes, uh, that means he won it by more in Maricopa, which is uh, the largest county in the state. They don't even have to claim that Trump picked up enough votes to win that county, just that he picked up more than 10,000 votes. That would make Donald Trump the winner of the state. So they don't have to go 42,000. They don't even have to go 21,000. All they have to do is give uh, Donald Trump uh, a, a little bit over 10,000, and they could do it by their own processes without setting off any alarms at all. Worse, uh, Ray Lutz told me when I shared this, uh, these documents with him and these thoughts, he said, well, yeah, even worse, they started with batches of 100 ballots. But now, he noted, they're now counting in batches of 50 instead, which essentially gives them the chance to change not just 42,000 votes, but they could change 84,000 votes without setting off any alarm bells inside of this audit. And because they are not reporting these results each day or publicly at all, you know, at the end, nobody will know if any of this is completely made up because there is no public oversight. There is no public reporting. They are not putting out the results each day. They can simply say that they found anything they want at the end of an audit, at the end of this audit, whether it is true or not. Since there is no public oversight of what they're doing, that, you know, there will be little means to actually rebut them. And of course, 
at that point, the damage will already be done and the people will be shouting fraud. They're shouting it now. They'll be shouting it even louder then. And but then they will immediately be able to claim this count was proof of fraud. Now, uh, Ray Lutz uh, writes me via email today to say, uh, quote, the big issue for me is how they handle the tally sheets at the end of each batch. They hand they hand enter those tallies into a spreadsheet. They are not providing immediate scans of the tally sheets. The tally sheets are in boxes. They are very easy to create bogus tally sheets or to type them in wrong. He says, how is the data entry from the tally sheets being checked? He says, not nothing that I can tell. So that is also an area of huge concern, he notes. So if I understand correctly on these tally yeah. sheets, there's nobody. So so they make the tally sheets and yeah. then they pass it on to a guy and nobody is watching what the tallying guy is doing. To make sure that he or she is putting it into the spreadsheet correctly. Wow. And then nobody is seeing the tally sheets. We're not looking at the tally sheets along the way, so we can't do the progress of, yep. okay, this day it was this yep. many and add those up. It's all at the end. Whatever yep. we say it is, is what it is. Yep. Wow. Nonetheless, the CEO of Cyber Ninjas uh, told reporters last week, quote, it is absolutely impossible for any one individual to change the results that are here. Uh, but none of this is, uh, you know, this is not how ballots are counted by hand during audits in Arizona that are run by state officials or really anywhere else that I have ever seen. Uh, in the most common method in Arizona, three officials sort a batch of ballots by candidate. So they make uh, essentially two stacks. The group sort of, you know, sorts the votes for Donald Trump over here. Uh, that's one pile and then votes for anybody else goes into another pile and then they count each pile in stacks of 10 or 25. Uh, another member then counts it as well. The group then repeats the process with each candidate to determine the number of votes that each candidate received until everything is agreed upon by everybody with the entire process being overseen by observers from all political parties and the results uh, hopefully, at least, posted online each day so the public can follow along as well if they're not, you know, in the counting room. So that's one thing you should be very concerned about. And while the documents released on Thursday included several sample forms uh, that are used in the process, such as for tracking the custody of the ballot boxes, the documents did not include even a single sample of one of these tally sheets that the counters are supposedly using. Ultimately, the uh, former Maricopa official Tammy Patrick told the Arizona Republic the procedures for handling ballots should be more detailed and include more guidance for each step of the process. But while they were not very detailed on uh, those sorts of things, the documents do include some pretty detailed information on other stuff that is apparently of concern to the cyber ninjas like this. Uh, this is uh, from one of the 191 pages. In an extreme threat scenario, the chemical tank storage farm to the west of the railroad tracks, west of 19th Avenue and south of McDowell, is significantly a greater target if the Grand 19th McDowell intersection is disrupted. Antifa will likely use the backed up traffic in those six lanes to slow police and fire response to any perimeter breach operation, any ad hoc or opportunistic incendiary attack. Traffic disruption in the six way intersection will impede response to any small fire and likely result in fully engulfed chemical and tank farm scenarios. 
Such a condition would compound distraction, causing a significant safety concern to the small carnival operating to the southwest of the fairground campus. And yes, on the fairgrounds, there actually is a carnival called the Crazy Times Carnival. You can't make that up. No. Uh, So this would be a safety concern to the carnival, and it would allow then nearly unmitigated access and entry and breach to hostile actors on the southern perimeter of the Coliseum between the main gate and the service gate. Additionally, delayed fire response would likely trigger evacuation of the surrounding area, possibly compromising physical individual security of the ballots and systems under care and potentially creating chain of custody concerns. Yes, they are very detailed about their concerns that Antifa is going to stop this entire count. Cyber Ninjas! are concerned about a firebomb attack on the Arizona Veterans Memorial Coliseum by Antifa. That's the security concerns that they are worried about, apparently. And these people, remember, are being given taxpayer money to oversee the audit of the 2020 presidential election results. Totally normal. I'm sure everything will work out just fine here. Anyone who who points out any of these concerns, of course, they're just, you know, uh, Democrats who are trying to shut it all down. Or maybe they're even uh, Antifa supporters trying to prevent them from discovering the truth about the 2020 elections. As I said last week on the show, uh, where we devoted pretty much the entire hour uh, to this, to trying to understand what was going on inside the Coliseum, because I am all in favor of any citizen who has concerns about election results being allowed to check those results until they are happy. No matter how biased in favor of one party or one candidate that they may, that they may be, I don't care. That's just fine by me. Yes, including crazy right-wing conspiracy theorists. They, too, deserve to know that their elections have been accurately tallied. I have no problem with that. But there are processes for such things, and they include public oversight, media oversight, election official oversight, oversight by candidates and all parties, Ballots remaining in control of officials, not handed out to some random group from Florida with no experience in elections to be counted then in secret in a way which they can actually destroy ballots if they like with nobody there to stop them or with procedures that allow them to add thousands of votes without setting off any alarm bells at all. This is decidedly not how election oversight which I call for and I demand pretty much 24-7, 365. If you've ever listened to the broadcast or you read bradblog.com, this is not how election oversight is supposed to work. That does not make me a partisan, by the way. That makes me an election integrity advocate, which these clowns running this thing in Arizona decidedly are not. All right. COVID vaccine uh, chills and fever dreams are next on the broadcast. My own. Oh, it was a fun weekend for me. So uh, some reporting on, uh, as, as they say in the UK, my new jab, my second shot of Moderna, all of the fun that followed it and why you should get yours if you haven't already. No matter what you have heard about the new jab, even from me. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the broadcast. 
Hey, this is Brad. Our nightmare election may be over, but new ones are on the way. Here at the Bradcast and Bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like, or even just a one-time-only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate right now. Go ahead, do it right now. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. I heard there was a rumor shed That COVID vaccines were unprepared Or brewed to really censor and control you Well it goes like this A fourth or fifth of people might offer for this The thinking of opposing having new jobs have the new job Have the new job Have the new job Have the new job Well, the science is strong and they've yielded proof scales or camel hooves they duly checked with trials and then approved them it's biological warfare they broke all records but still took care so please do not refuse to have the new job have the new job have the new job have the new job, have the new job. Well, maybe we all get misled. We see this post on our WhatsApp thread. They use conspiracy theories just to fool ya. It's not needle pricks to be scared about It's the ones who put this nonsense out Subsurd and it's mistaken Have the new job Have the new job Have the new job Have the new job Have the new Have the new job, have 
choice, a personal view, a protest voice. But other times we're part of something greater. So remember this ain't just for you. You're just protecting others too. And every breath we save is hallelujah. 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 Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. One of the best things to come from my uh, two days or so of chills and fever dreams following my second COVID vaccine shot on Friday, I got the Moderna shot, was learning about the Marsh family in Great Britain. Uh, My guest host, uh, Nicole Sandler, she tipped me off to them. That was their version of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. These guys are delightful. They're adorable. Adorable. <laughs> they're a British mom and dad in lockdown with their four kids. There's two boys. I'm guessing they're about 12 and 14. The two girls, about 8 and 10 or so. Uh, and that was the two girls and, and dad singing Get the New Jab there. Uh, they got many other great tunes, uh, and, and they've been uh, become apparently a bit of a sensation in the U.K., I am told. Uh, Nicole actually interviewed them on her own show. You can find it at NicoleSandler.com. Uh, maybe we'll play more of their songs uh, in, in the next days and weeks. Uh, they are, in my mind, the British family Von Trapp. Remember them from the... From the sound of music. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. I like that. And you know what's yeah. really fascinating, I think, about the pandemic, one of the good things to come out of it is the burst of creativity from people stuck at home that have shared their creativity with the rest of the yeah. world. Well, uh, anyway, uh, I don't know if we're going to have time or not here, but I, I'd love to hear from you if you got your second uh, your second jab, your new jab uh, yet, and how it went for you. Our phone number is 818-985-5735, if I have time, uh, 818-985-KPFK, because there, I know there's been a lot of news about uh, people having a rough time after their second shot, and some in the media are sort of playing that down you know, for fear of keeping people from wanting to get it. But I am not here uh, to play it down. It was, at least for me, terrible. Uh, Now, Desi, you had another story. For you, it was... It wasn't that bad. Not bad. Yeah, it was. Uh, I got tired. I took a nap. I slept it off. It was fine. <laughs> I hate you. Anyway, because <laughs> for me, it was pretty horrible. Uh, after the first shot, it was you know not bad. I felt sort of fatigued for the day. Like I maybe had. I felt like a little fluish, something coming on. Uh, but you know, after that, it went away. Um, but this one, after the second shot, was in fact pretty horrible, as I discovered while uh, you know going through it. I wanted to tell you about it because I found, as horrible as it was, that that was a reason to get the shots rather than avoid them. And while I know the media is sort of, you know, downplaying how bad it can be for some and and not all, not by any means, for Desi, it was pretty good. For my mom, she had no problems, as well as, you know, others that I know, you may have heard that it was bad from a friend. And thought the media was then lying to you about it. So, you know, you might want to avoid it altogether. Well, don't. Don't avoid it. Here is why. First, 
I know a lot of people are hesitant for various reasons to get the vaccine. Uh, Some is due to a lot of misinformation about, frankly, nonsense and Bill Gates and, you know, stuff that the marshes were singing about there, things that are not true or that the vaccine is not well tested. That is also not true. These companies have been developing coronavirus vaccines for about a decade, basically preparing for a moment like this. So all they essentially had to do was take their work of over the past decade and 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 modify it to deal with this specific version of this coronavirus. Uh, but then there are some who don't want to get the shot simply because they fear needles. Well, guess what? I do, too. Uh, by the way, I hate them. Uh, but this one, uh, you won't even feel it by and large. I mean, it is like being touched with a safety pin. Literally, if you touched me as lightly as you could with the safety pin, that's what this felt like. A guy sitting next to me after the first shot uh, during the 15 minute period after you're uh, asked to stay after getting the shot to make sure you don't have any adverse reactions. He told me he said this was the first time he'd ever gotten any vaccine shot, at least as an adult, uh, and that he was scared of needles. But he did it anyway for his kids and for his family. Uh, And he was he confided that he was worried they didn't actually give it to him because he couldn't feel anything. So if that's your concern, take it from me, uh, who also hates needles. Uh, It's one that you should overcome. But as to the effect after the first shot, as I as I mentioned, uh, you know, I sort of felt fatigued the second day. Um, But by the next day, I was just fine. But after the second shot, boy. Boy, about eight hours afterwards, I was knocked out. I had chills. I had fever. The first night, over 100, over 101. The second day, all day long, that with a pounding headache, with chills and fever. A friend of mine who had a similar reaction described it as being like the worst hangover she ever had, plus fever to go with it, which sounds about right to me. But, you know, amidst my my alternating shivers and sweats and pounding headache that felt like it would go on forever, it occurred to me that it decidedly would not go on forever and that I knew that it would not go on forever. I knew that it would end in a day or two because that's what everyone else had said. Meanwhile, the symptoms, uh, since your body momentarily thinks you're being attacked by COVID, the symptoms are similar to the ones that you might actually get in the early stages of COVID. If, and if that is anything like actual COVID, at least here I knew that this would end. Unlike people who actually do have COVID, which can go on like this for weeks on end, even months, and get much worse as your lungs fail and you end up hospitalized on a ventilator and maybe even dead like well over half a million Americans. So unless you want to go through that or, you know, maybe get this disease but be lucky without symptoms, uh, but instead pass it on to your family anyway and your friends and your loved ones and your co-workers and your neighbors— Well, as miserable as I was, I was glad that I was getting a taste right now of how bad it could be, but that it won't be because I won't have to go through that in the future. I won't hopefully get an actual uh, case of COVID, at least not a severe one. So as miserable as I was, it also reminded me how happy I was that I knew that this would end, which people with actual COVID 
can never know. So I know there are many people who, who, who you know, don't want people like me in the media describing how bad it can be after a second shot. But we always tell you the truth on this show. And in my case, it actually made me happy that I was getting inoculated. No matter how horrible those two days or so actually were, I knew that it would end, and that's what I was reminded of. And I see that a lot of you are ringing in with uh, similar or different experiences regarding the second shot. So let me see if I can get in. Uh, We'll have to be quick about this to try to get in uh, as many calls as we can. Our number is 818-985-5735. Let me go to um, Damien in Camarillo. Hey, Damien, welcome to the broadcast. Did you get your second shot? I did, Brad. Thanks for having me. I had it on Friday, just like you. Oh, yeah? How'd it go? It was like nothing uh, at all. I, too, got the Moderna. Uh, I work in the, well, I actually work in the alcohol business, business, but I got in as a food and beverage employee. Mm -hmm. And the first shot was kind of numbing on my shoulder for three days at Mm. least. Mm. Um, But the second one, with all the warnings and just what you were saying, Absolutely nothing. It was even easier for me than the first trip. Wow. So I was one of the lucky ones. Yeah. And, you know, had all the expectations, but walked away with nothing. I was surfing the next day with my son and my daughter. So <laughs> I got I got lucky in that aspect. But I got to tell you, the feeling of getting it, the excitement being, being in the room, I literally felt nothing. Uh-oh. I think I lost you there. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. My fault. Uh, He literally felt nothing. Thank you, Damien. I'm sorry. I think we accidentally, I accidentally cut you off there. He's back. Oh, he's back. Okay. You said you literally felt what, uh, Damien? I felt super excited. Ah. Uh, They send you in to wait for 15 minutes, and I just was overwhelmed by excitement, and there was another guy next to me similarly saying, I can't believe I just got my second shot. Gotcha. Excellent. Thank you, Damien. Uh, glad to hear that, even though I hate you now. Thank you. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. I'll try to, I'm sorry, Des, that was my fault. I will try to avoid doing that again. And I think your, I think your mic is still on in there, if I'm not mistaken. Let me go to Marlene in, uh, Valley Village. There we go. Hey, Marlene, welcome to the broadcast. How'd your second shot go very quickly? Hey, yes, I had the, I had a bad reaction to him. Thank you so much for Leonard Cohen. I can use Leonard Cohen any day. Yeah. But yes, my second shot, bad reaction. And yet, would you recommend it to others? Oh, of course. But I, I was surprised because I'm a healthy person. I just didn't expect it. But like you, fever, chills, mm-hmm. um, coughing, headache, headache at the base of the skull. I really, I just, I just... I mean, I work out regularly. I mm-hmm. just did not expect any reaction. No, actually, Marlene, uh, I have at least been finding, and others have been you know, saying, that people who are in good shape have good immune systems. This is actually evidence that the vaccine is working because your, vac- your, your uh, immune system is putting up a fight. And that's what you're feeling. Oh. That's what the pain is. So it, it doesn't mean you're not in good shape. It actually means uh, maybe that you are in good shape. Thanks for the call, Marlene. I'm glad you're okay. Uh, and uh, thanks for calling in here. Let me get to uh, who can I get? Very. I'm going to have to just fly through people here. Karen in Santa Monica. Hey, Karen, how'd it go for you? Uh, well, the first uh, shot, I had Moderna, and I mm-hmm. got what's called COVID arm, mm-hmm. and it was a big red rash, and it was very, very itchy, and um, 
and it was swollen and painful, but it subsided. Mm -hmm. And then the second um, shot, I got, I call it COVID for a day. Um, (laughs) I got really freezing cold inside. And no matter how many blankets or how many sweaters you wore, you couldn't do anything. And the day after, my stomach was kind of messy. But after that, I'm fine. And I just want to say, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. But I don't get the flu shot because it's got a couple of toxins in it that my body would be allergic to. And mm-hmm. stuff. But you'd have to be crazy not to get the COVID vaccine. I mean, you, you know, I just don't understand the uh, politics. And I hear you. you know, if you get it, you know, if you get it, so even if you get COVID, you won't end up in the hospital and you won't die. There you go. Thanks, Karen. And you're absolutely right. I'm sorry. I got to get up. I'm against the hard clock here. Thank you so much for that. And uh, thanks to everyone else who called in who I just couldn't get to too much going on. But thank you. Go get your shots. That's all I can tell you. Go get your shots. If the life you save may be someone else's. All right, we got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator, Federico Garcia, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, download it for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. I'll see you there until I see you here, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. We're the black